Welcome to In The Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. Welcome back, everyone, to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm really excited to have on today's call Bryce Bladen, who is the manager of Clients from Hell, which is one of the most popular Tumblr blogs in the world. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and how he manages that platform and how he's growing it. And he's also the brains behind BryceBladen.com. And you can find him at, at BryceBladen on Twitter. So Bryce, thank you for being on In the Trenches with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Tom. Yeah, so take me back. Uh, Clients from Hell, pretty compelling title for a website. Uh, it's obviously one of the most popular Tumblr sites in the world. How'd you get started with this? Like, how'd you wind up managing this platform? Well, there's a story I actually don't get to tell very often, as weird as that might sound. So to be clear, I'm not actually the creator of Clients from Hell. And to add an interesting little wrinkle to the story, I'm not sure who is. A friend of a friend worked at a design agency that I'm sure many of you have heard of that I'm not going to name. But uh, long story short, one summer, he, I, I'd worked with this person on literary journals and a few other writing exercises. And this would have been, whew, I guess over six years ago now, uh, long story short, they needed somebody to edit the stories coming into Clients from Mel. So they gave me a few hundred bucks a month to do that. And I did that. And that was basically the extent of my responsibilities. But as, as time went on, the, the site had a lot of opportunities to grow. And I, I suggested a few ways to help it grow. Uh, stuff I'd read about, gut instincts, uh, nothing, nothing too interesting or fancy, I'm sure at this stage. But the site grew and, and the readership grew and the following grew and the fan base grew and the original creators ended up selling it. And I ended up being part of the package to the new owner who really just wanted me to keep doing what I was doing and then offered me a lot more freedom to, to build the site up from there. And now we're partners on it and it's, it's never been bigger and I'm, I'm real pumped on that bad boy. Yeah. So, okay. So I'm curious about this. It's like, how did it get to, I guess, wherever, like where, where it is today in terms of and I guess specifically, obviously, when you started kind of the management, like what did you do to grow the platform? Obviously, it sounds like a lot of it was organic. Maybe it was, I don't know, just by accident or sheer luck, but I'm sure there was some thought process behind this. And I'd like to hear kind of what that is. Absolutely. I Unfortunately, I don't have any silver bullet, uh, simple solutions for a lot of you folks out there. There was one distinct advantage we had, and that was that Tumblr was relatively new when Clients from Hell was brought on to the site. So there was a lot less competition for attention. And then Clients from Hell in and of itself, what it offers is a relatively simple offering, but it's a very relatable one and, and relatability, people being able to react to your content, to either see themselves there or to get angry or to laugh. If your content's doing that, you are in a fantastic position when it comes to finding an audience. And to follow up on that, when I talked about having ideas for how to grow the site more, what I'm going to suggest isn't anything terribly fancy. It, it ranges from being as boring as just tagging stories to techniques like 
you know, putting a little link in, in longer stories to a, to a related older story and creating cyclical content from there, which deepens engagement with the users. Basic things like making it as easy as possible for users to share content. Taking in user-generated content is frankly the lifeblood of the site and it invests users in the platforms and as a result they continue to come back day after day if it's either to read their own to see if their story got accepted or to see what other people are going through now as for how to actually grow the site the simple honest answer is what's mattered more than anything and there's a lot of minutiae that was tied to this but what's mattered more than anything is that we have put out two posts a day consistently since the site was made. Uh, the only exception to that rule being in its relatively early stages of life where we didn't have hundreds of thousands of followers, where we just didn't have stories to put out. Uh, we would source them from other creative friends, people who had clients from hell, like we would actually go out there and ask these people these things. But it wasn't until it became a self-sustaining thing. It wasn't until that we had more stories than we knew what to do with that the ball really got going. And then from there, it was just a matter of showing up every day you know, fine tuning our processes, looking at when people are actually engaging with the posts, when's the best time to release these posts, you know, basic marketing things like, like building an email subscriber list. I, I talked about creating cyclical content um, and that's built into our social media strategy as well. I use Meet Edgar to uh, recycle those old posts, to bring them up on social media and little things like that. I, I could go on for this entire episode, but at some point, I'm pretty sure uh, your listeners are going to want to hear you speak, Tom. <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about cyclical content. What do you mean by that? And I, I know I'm, I'm familiar with Meet Edgar. For those who aren't, it's, uh, it's just a, a platform that allows you to kind of like keep sharing um, the same posts over and over again in perpetuity, which is like super useful. And maybe it does more than that. But tell me about cyclical content and what do you mean by that? Yeah, sorry, I was just dropping a like uh, a marketing buzzword on you. you. It's more commonly referred to as evergreen content. It's content without an expiration date, content you can recycle, you can reuse, and it's still relevant to your users. And as a content marketer, if, if you do have content that's increasingly relevant, that, that mm -hmm. doesn't go bad, that it isn't tied to the latest trending story, you're in a fantastic spot. That is something you want out of as much of your content as possible. Okay. So yeah, and I get that conceptually. I'm curious, how do you guys make sure you do that? I mean, with yours, it's kind of like a humor site. Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like by its nature, it will be cyclical or evergreen, right? Or do you guys do something in particular to make sure it's that? No, you hit the nail on the head with the exception of certain technology going out of date or, or events dating a story. Almost all of our anecdotes and things you find on the site are evergreen. They don't really go bad. The situation, the humor that emerges from it, it's relevant. The trick when it comes to repurposing this content and bringing new users to it is to make sure it's contextually relevant. So for example, if there was a story about having trouble getting paid by a client, um, and if it was a longer story, a story where I could justify including a link to an older story in it, I'd make sure that there was some sort of common theme between those stories. You know, you don't, you wouldn't like if, if somebody was interested in, in the work you do, Tom Mortz, you wouldn't be like, well, you know, who else is great? Um, I, I wish I had like a funny offhand thing to say and I was going to name this actor and then they were so unrelevant, I, I suddenly lost their name. Um, <laughs> but uh, the fundamental of what I'm saying there holds true. It's content that you can upcycle. The trick is yep. to make sure you do recycle it in a way that it's actually meaningful to your audience. I see what you mean. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So, okay, so how is this platform 
and maybe I'm skipping, I'll probably skip around a little bit here with some of these questions, but I'm curious. So put it a little, little bit in context. How is the platform monetized at this point? I see you guys have a resources section, obviously putting time and effort into this. You get a lot of users. It doesn't seem like you guys are necessarily selling anything from the site, but, but maybe you are. I'm just curious what you guys do to actually monetize the platform. No, absolutely. So clients from hell has been actually very interesting. I'm so glad I've had it as, as my career has evolved and, and, and moved forward in the digital space in particular, because the fact that Clients from Hell hasn't become irrelevant is fantastic and also a little surprising, if I'm being honest. Um, originally, most of the income was tied to your traditional blogging income, things like advertisements. And as time went on, that became less and less of a reliable way to make money. The original owners also experimented with physical goods. We put out a book, we sold t-shirts, we sold these little like freelance invoices, you know, cute office tools like mugs, all sorts of stuff like that. And it sold well, but it didn't scale well. So as the site became more popular, the goods would sell out, but the combination of production and shipping and, and the man hours necessary to coordinate all that, it meant that the more popular we got, the less profitable selling physical goods became. I'm sure there would have been a a solution to this Mm -hmm. to some degree, but not a solution that didn't require you to, to build out the team further and to turn clients from hell into an actual business. And if you run a site called clients from hell and it is a pure business, you're, you're going to run into a, just a fundamental brand problem there. So what we have done since then is there's been an increased focus on relevant sponsorships, on partnerships and collaboration. Right now I'm working with Andco. Couldn't be more thrilled about that one because I was so, so happy to shield their goods when, uh, when I first heard about them and I saw the good they were doing. But through partnership with Clients from Hell, we've, we've had them top of our resource page. And go, just so you guys are clear, it's a, it's a wonderful app for running your freelance business. They have a lot of good free resources out there as lead generators. And as part of our uh, collaboration deal, I, I just make a point of mentioning those whenever I can. Didn't really mean to do that on your show, Tom, but uh, just trying to illustrate the partnership. So things like that, we've had like sponsored webinars and all sorts of stuff under that. Guys, we also do affiliates. That, that's sort of taken the, the crown jewel of traditional blogging advertising. That's taken a lot of the onus from that. So once a week, we highlight a deal from Mighty Deals. And, you know, it's designer related. It's useful to our audience. Um, and it's very easy for them to ignore if, if it's not something that's interesting to them. And then the final piece of this puzzle, uh, we have traditional advertising. We have sponsorships, collaborations, and partnerships. And we have affiliates. And finally, we have our products, which I have basically been making myself things like our various books, things like our courses on how to freelance, basically Mm -hmm. everything built around how do I avoid clients from hell, like the concept of clients from hell, not the site itself. Obviously (laughs) that wouldn't be the best market fit. How we can uh, tackle that pain point in a way that matters to our readers and and help them do better work. That's really interesting. I'm curious, what's been the most effective? Like of course has been like far and away, like, yep, that's the one that's crushing it for us. I'm just, I'm, I'm curious. I don't know if you can divulge that, but I'd be really fascinated by this. No, that's fair. Uh, I mean, advertising has been the most, how should I put it? The most reliable. Mm-hmm. Sponsorships and partnerships are the big paydays, but I don't believe they're a sustainable practice. And, right. and, and things like being relevant and, and mattering to our audience are, are incredibly important to me. So I, I turned down a lot of partnership opportunities as well yeah. because 
just as a basic one-to-one, like, yes, I might make a ton more money right now, but in the long term, I think it would really hurt like audience trust. People would be frustrated if every second post is a sponsored post, things like that. So, so some, and I don't want to interrupt, but I'm really curious about that too. How do you decide what's going to be a good fit for something like this? Because I think that's a challenge for a lot of people. Like, hey, I could, I could, I could rep this or I could promote this or I could share this or I could, you know, make, you know, it's, it's very tempting to get into the, into that process of like constantly promoting or, or, or getting into like sales emails and stuff like that, or, or mm-hmm. always trying to be selling. Um, how do you balance that between like managing the brand so it doesn't feel that way to the end user so you can keep like, you can maintain the integrity of the site? Well, for one, uh, we only engage in partnerships of a certain scale. So mm-hmm. I would not sell you, for example, a partnership for 18 months, nor would I do one for one week. It just doesn't scale well. It doesn't justify the, the amount of time we're going to put in. But more importantly, it doesn't let us enter into an arrangement where potentially a party can, can take advantage of the terms of this to, to kind of abuse our users in a way and to abuse the trust that comes with that. The honest answer I'm going to give is a fair amount of gut instinct. If I reach out to a partner, it's because I am genuinely excited by whatever it is they are doing. And I genuinely think there might be a way to help each other. Uh, at the end of the day, the best way to monetize our audience for our partners is to give them attention to ironically give them exposure and to let our audience know they exist and they're doing good work. And this means that I usually hop on a call with not just whoever handles their partnerships or sales, but with their CEO, with their founder, with somebody who has to, you know, be willing to put their face and name next to whatever they are promising and and to talk it through with them to make sure there is a good fit, to make sure it, it, it benefits both of us as well as our users. And the, the, last, the last piece is the most important piece, and this is something that has come from something I've been focusing more on and something that's come from me starting to like take over more duties on the site a few years back. And that is, frankly, just audience feedback, the simple concept of asking after these things. I, I segment users in our email list, the users who open all our emails, and I, I reach out to them and I ask what they would want more of, what sort of issues and problems they're struggling with, what kind of partnerships have resonated with them and which ones haven't. And likewise, I, I reach out to people who have stopped engaging with our emails, who, who no longer visit the site or whatever. And I ask what made them leave. Like, you know, that, that is part of the reason why I care so much about the partners we engage with is because we have had ones in the past where it just, it wasn't a great fit and it wasn't necessarily my decision uh, for that to have happened at that time, but it is now my decision to whether or not we do something like that again. So do my best to avoid it. I, I look for the feedback, good and bad, mm-hmm. um, and, and try to learn from it and try to figure out the fit. Cause at the end of the day, whatever we're doing, whether it's the products, whether it's the sponsorships, uh, whether it's the affiliates, it just has to provide value. It has to make our users life better in some way, or at the very least, not make it worse. So yeah, that, that's sort of the guiding principle. That's interesting. How do you say which projects you're going to work on next? Like right now, you're like, I don't know, like, right? Like, do you just like, I'm going to do a book next? Do you just mm-hmm. see you're random? Like, what's the process you go through for that? It is very much that, uh, that audience feedback process. So for like, what's the next product I should focus on? It's not easy. I'll be honest. Sometimes just the plethora of choices, like being able to do anything next is paralyzing to me. However, what I have put an increased focus on, and this is more out of necessity than than cleverness, is re-exploring areas I've already looked into 
and doubling down on them, improving on them. So for example, the book I just put out is uh, Hell to Pay 2. And it's basically just a very much updated version of a book that did very well in 2015 called Hell to Pay. And the reason I decided to explore it was I reached out to the readers. I saw if there was room for improvement. There was. And also our most, low, like our most engaged users there were, for lack of a better way of putting it, brand ambassadors. They were bringing other people to the site because of the value they found in the book. Yada, yada, yada. So it seemed like it'd be worth reiterating on. But at the end of the day, what decides what I do approach is, is there a resource out there for this? Does it do it well? Would I do it differently? And if there isn't, a resource out there that, that a younger version of me, a version of me who might be struggling with my own clients, with my own business, whatever. If there isn't a product out there that I would have wanted and needed and found valuable, that's what I'm going to do next. So right now I, I focused on the big three, which is, you know, getting paid, getting clients and starting to freelance. That's my courses and books summarized pretty well. And there are a lot of little aspects there. Uh, and I've, I've explored those spaces on, on smaller scale. And, and I think that's another key step too. There, there's a lot of value in asking your audience for feedback and it can really light the path for you. But another thing that shouldn't go underappreciated is doing the work and actually testing it. So to put this in another way, last year we experimented with something we were calling freelance shortcuts, which were very short ebooks about very specific issues, like how to find clients specifically on job boards, how to figure out who your dream client is and how to reach them. For lack of a way of putting it, they were like modular components of these larger projects I had worked on or wanted to work on. For me, they were proof of concept. They were did this resonate with people? How were the sales? What did and didn't work? Is it worth doing at a larger scale next time? And then just rolling out from there and, and scaling as is appropriate. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I, and I, I'm checking through the website now and kind of seeing all the stuff you guys offer. And I just downloaded Hell to Pay. So I'll make sure that's in the show notes. This is fascinating. Okay, cool. So tell me a little bit about, I'm curious, like I see how you kind of go through the process of like deciding what you're going to create next, which obviously is very analytical. What are some of the tools you use to do that? Client feedback is as much art as science, I'm guessing, in a lot of cases. Beyond that, do you like use any types of analytics tools, anything, any kind of trackers or anything like that? Like, and what are your most important metrics for the platform itself? So just so I'm clear, you're referring to clientsfromhell.net, like the site itself? Yes, yes. Yeah, so whew, what are the tools we use? I'll be frank, I, I hired somebody to uh, take over on that stuff at the beginning of this year, so I am a little out of sorts when it comes to what are the tools we are using right now. No worries. Um, what are the key, I'd be curious, maybe just as importantly, the key metrics or what do you guys like look for? Like what's the, what are the things that you look for? Is it comments? Is it traffic to the site? You know, what, what are the things that are most important to you? You know, it's funny you bring up comments because we have, I found out we have one of uh, North America's most commented on sites, uh, at least uh, when it comes to, I think it's in the top 1000, which isn't that impressive, but uh, that's not that bad impressive. either. Yeah. yeah uh, and it's, it's the same core people for the most part. You have other people swinging in and out, but um, it's this very dedicated group. And for the most part, they're, they're lovely. But as far as the metrics that, uh, that really matter to me, time spent on the site and posts that they actually engage with. Do they click share? Do they click to the next one? Do they check out that next, you know, that linked relevant story? And do they click to another one from there? Let me actually just be frank about a shortcoming of the site. For the longest time, actually still is, it's tied into the Tumblr architecture, which means as much as Tumblr might have been a, a little secret sauce for getting that initial audience, it means that like redesigning the site 
is an immensely more complicated proposition. It means that it has to work with Tumblr's API and, and it's, it's a very, it's a moving target to hit. And also Tumblr has made backend changes that have made my life a fair bit more difficult. They recently implemented their own version of ads and how they communicated this to creators was, uh, or to people who have a blog on their site was like, you know, there's this new feature and you can choose to turn it off, but you have to opt out. Otherwise you are automatically opted in and that's no fun. But I, I thought I had opted out of it. And there were apparently, I, I forgot to tick one of many boxes. And so for, for an embarrassing amount of time, I would get uh, the occasional email from a user who would complain about this really ugly ad that redirects them on their phone and tells them they have a virus. And I was terrified because I, I've worked very closely with our advertisers to make sure we never have something like that. You know, how advertising platforms work is there is a bit of, it can sometimes be difficult to figure out where it's coming from. Uh, it's in a bit of a, an opaque process at times. But it got to the point that I switched advertising platforms and providers and I was still having this issue and it was, it was driving me insane because I, I care. <laughs> um, but this, this was also making a liar out of me. And long story short, Tumblr was, was at fault. Um, their ad providers were the ones that were sneaking those ads in underneath our typical architecture and it was it was something to deal with <laughs> I, I really ran in a separate direction from that question there but that feedback was uh what helped me figure it out <clears throat> no that's really cool you know you look at this because you look at the site because it's user submission which i think is really interesting and that's the dominant form of the content right that mm -hmm. is, it's actually user submission which i see the value in that because that you mentioned that they you know come back to check on what's their stuff you know published etc cetera, etc cetera. so there's a lot of benefits that way the other benefit of course um, at least I guess hypothetically would be less time on your end to create content. Um, you're essentially a curator in, in many ways, although I, I presume maybe you edit as well. But how long then does it take you to like manage a site like this now that it's like up operational? To be frank, not nearly as much time as it used to. Uh, I absolutely used to take, I, I basically did all of the editing and curation for about five years. It was only in the past few years that I, I have started to hire other freelancers to, to do the editing, to do the curation, to do everything associated with that. But it's so hard to quantify the time that goes in because the yeah. site has, has grown in a lot of interesting ways and I've taken on a, a very much expanded role from where I started. If we were just looking at the site, clientsfromhell.net, what you see there is what you get. The actual amount of time it takes to run that is less than, I would say, 10 hours a week. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's just curating content, editing stories so that they are coherent and, and full of grammar. And, and, you know, you actually have to have quite the soft touch when it comes to editing these stories as well, because I've definitely had users get upset that we modified, like we took out what they felt was a very key component of their story. So, yeah, there's, there's relatively little work that goes into that. However, when you start to account for the products, when you start to account for pursuing partners, for rolling out collaborations, and when you start to account for, you know, just the day-to-day -day minutia of running a site at that scale, things like those advertisers I was talking about, accommodating for social media and everything, yeah, it can, it can really balloon away from you. And it's only because I've been, we got to such a point where I was able to look back and be like, what am I doing that is actually producing value? And what is just busy work somebody else can do? it's empowered me to help grow the site to a whole new scale. That's awesome. Okay. Very cool. And then what do you do? Like, this is obviously, I'm guessing kind of like the 
maybe the main thing you, you do, but you also have your own platform. You have BryceBlading.com. Did you do anything else on the side? Like, I guess I'm just curious to know a little bit more about you too, beyond clients from hell, if there's any other things that you do where you spend your time. <laughs> oh God, don't go to BryceBlading.com. That thing's so out of date. It's uh, that's just my personal website. I, I, I built up when I was, um, well, when I had when I was actually looking for clients as a freelancer mm -hmm. um, and I'm in a very privileged position right now, I, I haven't been hungry for work or, mm -hmm. or worried about a potential client seeing that site for a number of years. And as a result, it got really outdated. So that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. It's a good problem to have, but that is all to say all this clients from hell work. It, it's definitely, it's a side project, but it's about half my time these days. The other half is spent uh, as, a, as a freelancer and as a consultant. And I do a lot of different work, a lot of branding work, a lot of communications work, a lot of writing work, a lot of marketing work. But almost all of it, I, I found my footing with clients from hell. And I basically just applied those lessons to, to client projects, mm -hmm. like all that stuff I was talking about with content and, and evergreen posts mm -hmm. and, and finding views and, and repurposing content. Uh, that's all stuff. Stuff I propose as is appropriate for a client's marketing content strategy, I should say. So yeah, I, I, I've had the privilege of, of finding a long-term client uh, called Axiom Zen, which is perfect for me because what they do is they describe themselves as a startup that builds startups, which is to say they produce products and projects that are new and exciting and interesting and they move real fast and they're basically my client, which means we have a great relationship and it's just, it's, it's a wonderful experience. That's awesome. Okay. So, so I think fascinating all around. I'm curious, like then kind of looking forward, like still the focus is clients from hell. I guess kind of, there's kind of two parts to this question there. They are separate because you mentioned Tumblr being what you started on and that the architecture makes it hard for you to do like an update. Would you ever switch from that? I guess one. And two, where does it, like, I guess, what are you guys trying to do with the platform? Are you trying to grow beyond where it's at now? Or are you trying to do anything more I don't know. I get it out. I don't know if this even would even makes sense to try to get it more mainstream or is it like you guys have like this niche, you have your, your audience of freelancers, um, you're crushing and doing what you're doing. I'm just curious, like what the future has in store for you guys. Well, it's hard to say for sure what the future holds in store. I will say that for better or worse, we're pretty tied to Tumblr. We do, of course, get hundreds of thousands of views just at clientsfromhell.net. But if you're familiar with Tumblr and how it works, if somebody has followed the site, they would go to us through their Tumblr dashboard. And unfortunately, and again, definition of a first world problem here, uh, we have about 800,000 users who interact with us that way. They are incredibly difficult to track because they do not come to us through our traditional site, but it's, I, I can't think of a scenario where I could be like, mm, no, no, thank you to these 800,000 loyal users, you know? Yeah. Um, so as, as many complaints as I have about Tumblr as a platform, I, I, I just, I can't leave those users behind. And I think uh, if, if Tumblr dies tomorrow, maybe we'll consider how to, how to pivot from there. But otherwise I think clients from hell is going to be intricately. <laughs> Tumblr intimately, for yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tumblr for life. There you go. Uh, um, yeah, but as far as long-term aspirations, I would say, and this is a bit of a lazy answer, but just keep doing what we're doing, but yeah. just try to do it better. Uh, yeah. That's always been my credo with this site. We've experimented with doing new and interesting things, and sometimes it's worked and sometimes it hasn't. But at the end of the day, the site's called the Clients from Hell. It's all about Clients from Hell stories. Mm -hmm. We've tried you know, expanding the video, and it, it just didn't translate terribly well. 
we've tried other things that have worked shockingly better and are far more scalable. As dumb as it sounds, one thing we've been doing recently is uh, I have a, an go through our, our old posts, like starting from the beginning, and they just take choice, funny little quotes from it and throw it on a stock image of, uh, of corporate America. And inexplicably, uh, when those things are released on social media or even as a, as a bonus post on the site, they do 10 times better than the original. And so, you know, yeah, like little tweaks like that, a lot of fine tuning, a lot of, you know, cutting the fat that isn't working and, and yeah. building up the muscle into things that uh, have show promise. So like, have you tried it? Are there any specific platforms that you're like, yeah, we're actually getting great results here? Like, I don't know if you do that on Instagram, for example, like is like Instagram is like, have you tried Instagram and doing repurposing this content as Instagram posts? And then that's been like very useful for you. Have you have any experiences with specific platforms that you've used like social or otherwise in, in that either worked or didn't work? Yeah. So uh, my partner on the site has uh, always wanted me to take a more, how should I put, uh, face forward role on the site. And for the longest time, I, I kind of shied away from it. You know, I, I've never loved the idea of internet celebrities or anything to that mm -hmm. regard, which isn't to say for a moment that I am. <laughs> like, let's be clear. Um, but I was just, I was so happy to uh, be anonymous and obscure. But we have tried that. We, we have tried platforms that didn't really translate well, things like Periscope. We had a clients from home meetup and we just ran a Periscope and it, it did shockingly well, but how to use that audience effective? Like there was no plan behind it. It right. was a, you know, it was like just throwing in a lure to see what we ca caught and we, we caught a fair amount of audience, but there was no obvious way to monetize this audience. And I didn't find, you know, hosting a Periscope very interesting. Like for example, the, not every course or book we've put out has been a hit, but I've enjoyed making them. Mm -hmm. So I, I enjoyed finding that out either way. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, Periscope in this example, I didn't enjoy doing it. I didn't right. see how, how we could do something with it. Yeah. Um, and, and nobody had that answer for me. And as a result, I, I just decided it was worth pursuing things that made me a little bit happier and uh, had a better conversion of value for me. Now, it's funny you brought up Instagram because that is next on my list of things to experiment with if I ever find myself with the free time to uh, do a little bit of experimenting. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was just curious. Yeah, and it sounds like you made the right bet on the Periscope front. <laughs> yes, good. it does. Cool. Um, yeah, okay. but uh, always, yeah, just little tweaks here and there. Perfect. Well, Bryce, I just want to say it's, it's been a pleasure having you on in the trenches. I'd love for you to let people know where they can find you, check you out, uh, follow your work. So yeah, that. yeah, no problem. Uh, this might surprise some of your listeners, but uh, <laughs> I run a website called Clients from Hell. You can find it at clientsfromhell.net. I also run a podcast of the same name. You can find a little link from that at the top of clientsfromhell.net. Just click on that link that says podcast. Otherwise, I'm always on Twitter at Bryce Bladen. That's at B-R-Y-C-E-B-L-A-D-O-N. And of course, BryceBladen.com if you want to see my uh, design horror shame. <laughs> Perfect. Well, I love it, Bryce. Hey, man, thank you so much for the insights. Fascinating look at um, how you're building the platform. And I just really appreciate uh, your transparency. Hey, thanks, man. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to In the Trenches. Your creative work doesn't stop here. Join the resistance, the small but growing army of entrepreneurs and artists putting a dent in the world at www.tommorkis.com. Never fight alone. Join the resistance.